everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Infinite Snap podcast. I'm your host, uh, Shadow DTV, also known as Richie, and we have a special guest with us today, Ridiculous Hat. How are you doing? Doing all right. Thanks so much for having me. I'm sorry that Tom and Justin couldn't make it here, but you know. Well, I'll try and fill in for two, two people. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you uh, very much. Unfortunately, yeah, it is. Uh, we're recording on the weekend uh, today, guys. So it is uh, a Saturday. Usually we record on a Tuesday. Um, but, uh, you know, with time zones and everything, it's very hard. Uh, us being in Australia and, of course, you being on the uh, other side of the world. So the time zones are a little tricky. So we're just doing our best to accommodate everyone, get as many people on the show as we can. Uh, so first up... Uh, ridiculous hat i wanted to i'm going to call you hat because it's uh much easier um how you been you you (laughs) doing well been playing marvel snap this week i'd assume uh i have been playing i've been playing a little bit at work i am my boss so don't tell me um but yes i mean it's uh, i assume that most of your guests i'm gonna say all of your guests play marvel snap uh yep yep so far all of them yes (laughs) i'm uh, I'm well i'm not gonna break that streak uh, and I will say, I want to be clear. I've been playing since beta, like the game, play it every day. Current meta, I'm struggling to find the fun a little bit. Um, just right now, the decks I'm running into, there are a lot of cards that make my cards not be cards. And I don't like that as much. A lot of Cosmos, a lot of Professor X's, but I've been trying, been trying, um, you know, forging some vibranium items when I can find the, the menu. Um, and, uh, you know, it's right now I've been going okay. Uh, still clearing my dailies, still trying stuff out, but I have struggled to find something that's really helped me climb. I've hit infinite every season, but so far I have not gotten there yet this season. How about you? Yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that because I've, yeah, been clearing my dailies, but the, yeah, I guess the meta has, it's shifting a lot now that I guess people are learning the game a lot more, all the new players that we have. And I'm kind of in the same boat hit infinite, uh, since we've had the game, and then this season, I guess I haven't been playing as much as I usually do, so that contributes to it a little bit. But, like, yeah, I'm still sitting around, like, the 75 range. I haven't really been, like, pressing. But, yeah, just trying different decks, and it just seems to be, there's a, seems to be, uh, like you said, a lot more uh, sort of shutdown sort of orientated decks. Professor X flying out, like, <laughs> a lot of games. Um, but still, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> Professor X turn five, just, like, auto-winning a location is just the worst feeling. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I think right now, you know, the game is still very, uh, in its infancy and it's still a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that infinite grind goes this season. Um, so before we get into all our topics today, um, actually we'll go through our topics. So we're going to go through the featured location that we had, uh, which was Warrior Falls. We haven't got the hot location cause it is Saturday. So, uh, we will cover that next week. Um, we'll go through what decks you've been playing, Hat. You just mentioned that you've been uh, playing a few decks. So we'll see what uh, we've been playing. We'll talk a little bit about Black Panther. I think everyone kind of knows what Black Panther does now. Um, Marvel Snap was nominated for a mobile game nomination, which is really exciting stuff. So we're going to go through that and uh, discuss, you know, I guess, um, you know, how it's ended at this point. It's really, really exciting stuff there. Uh, congratulations to the team. Um, they've done an amazing job. Uh, future game modes, um, we are getting a new game mode soon, or I guess a, a type of game mode, um, but we'll discuss, you know, I guess what could come to Marvel Snap in the future. We've got plenty of games to compare it to. 
Um, and then we'll discuss a little bit what a competitive scene of Marvel Snap could look like. We've spoken about this on the show very early on in the beta, but now that we've got more information about, I guess, you know, a battle mode where we converse uh, people, we can discuss that a little bit more. And then, of course, at the end, the reason everyone listens to the show is we're going to play Snap Who. Uh, Hat is going to try and guess uh, a location this week, so that'll be very interesting. All right, let's get straight into it. Right, Hat. So, um, I know a lot of listeners will already know who you are. There, um, A lot of Hearthstone players are also playing Marvel Snap, and I'd say most Hearthstone players would uh, know your name at least. Uh, very, You're very active in the Hearthstone community. Um, you run a bunch of podcasts. Uh, do you want to tell us what podcast you are a part of at the moment? Gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're recording this at a very particular moment in time. It's November 19th, so Twitter is still online today. Yeah. Lord knows how long that's going to last. Yes. Um, I'm kind of devastated at the direction it's gone because that's really where I built a lot of my brand along with uh, consistent podcasting. So I am the, – the phrase that people always use when discussing who I am in that context is personality because that means I don't quite know what to say. That's, that's really what I do is I host <laughs> a bunch of podcasts and, and like I answer a bunch of questions and I tweet a lot about the game and people find what I say useful sometimes, which is you know very flattering. Um, but yeah, I have three Hearthstone podcasts. Too many, but <laughs> I like them all. They all serve their own niches. The Angry Chicken, which is more a casual, broad focus, uh, Coin Concede, which is right in the middle. We, we make the competitive side of the game more accessible. Uh, and then Vicious Syndicate, which is a high-level data-driven look at the top-ranked metagame. So try and hit all different levels of engagement with the podcast audience. Uh, I run a Hearthstone League, and also, like, I just like... Well, video games in general, card games in specific. I started with Magic the Gathering, as I'm sure many people have um, for years and years and years and years. And, uh, you know, any card game that comes out, I try it. Uh, Gwent, tried a lot of Gwent, tried a lot of Runeterra, uh, Slay the Spire. I very much enjoy Slay the Spire. Um, and Marvel Snap, I got into the closed beta in Memorial Day, uh, late May uh, this year, and I have played it every day since. I have not missed a day. Yeah, that's uh, it's crazy. I think I think the game really suits, I guess, that being able to play it every day, uh, even when you're you know super busy, which is a great thing and a, a big reason why a lot of people love the game. Uh, and like you said with your podcast, you actually now that I like look at it, you do uh, I guess cover all bases. The Angry Chicken, amazing, very accessible podcast for casual players all the way to competitive. And then, of course, Coin Concede and uh, Vicious Syndicate. Um, all very different podcasts. Love that, uh, you know, doing all of that. Really, really cool. And then, yeah, about uh, the games that you've played, you know, uh, card games, Magic the Gathering. I feel a lot of people, that was their first card game. Um, what, uh, what is the first game, video game you remember playing as a, uh, as a young uh, child? Like, what was, I guess, the first game you can remember playing? It was called Night Games on the Commodore 64. Uh, <laughs> yep. It was, yep. And so it's like the the joystick is the joystick that you have seen in so many movies. It's like the black joystick with the one red button <laughs> yep. at the top. And you could move left and you could move right and you could press the one button and you were two nights jousting. And that was the entire game. And I played so much of that when I was very, very young. One of my earliest memories, um, PC gamer up front. Uh, Commander Keen was a big part of my young life. Yep. Uh, and then we had the Nintendo, of course. A uh, lot of Blaster Master. Okay, yeah. Blaster Master was rad. 
That's so cool. Yeah, that's um, uh, yeah. I like to ask everyone because I mean, everyone has such different experiences with their first, like their early video games. So it's great to kind of hear. And I know where you know, I guess a a card video game based uh, podcast. So it's still a video game. Um, I always tell everyone because I always think this is a strange one. But I had a a PS One demo disc that had a bunch of demos on it, and the first game I recall playing was Abe's Odyssey. Uh, which was super, super, oh, man. super, super difficult That's for a, a great uh, game. yeah, super difficult for like a four-year-old, and I uh, could like barely get through it. But I just kept playing it over and over again because it's a uh, such a fantastic game. And then I was able to complete it when I got older. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool. Uh, I think yeah, we had Rog a few weeks ago. Rogtronic uh, played. Yeah, I think it was a, a NES game was his first video game, so that was really cool. All right, so you've kind of already explained a little bit why you love Marvel Snap. Uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, I guess uh, the main what, what what would be the main thing that drew you to Marvel Snap, other than I guess you know uh, the team that made the game, you know, coming from uh, you know a lot of Hearthstone, uh, a lot of Blizz people there. So, uh, what what else I guess drew you to the game initially? So I mean, the gameplay is fun, right? Like it's yeah. it's just as simple as possible. The gameplay is fun, but the reason it has stayed in my life is that every other time I picked up a card game, every other card game wants to be the only game you play. Yep. It wants to be the card game you play. Snap is like, no, no, no. I want to fit in when you don't have time to play other games. And I take the train to and from work. Yep. And Snap is the perfect train game. Yeah. So if I if it was not for the habit-forming daily quests and the incredibly snappy games and also the gameplay being really good, then it wouldn't have landed. But all three of those stuck the landing. Um when I think back about trying Runeterra, the thing that I bounced off so many times, like I had a lot of respect for the systems. I really liked the economy. Uh, the single player was really great, but I just didn't like the core gameplay that much. Yep. And that was, you know, obviously kind of a problem because you have to like the game you're playing. Snap's got the gameplay, but it's got the accessibility down. It, it had it had what I was looking for, and it allowed me to play other games around it in a way that nothing else like was aiming for yeah for sure i think that's uh you've hit the nail on the head that is um everyone i've spoken to we've gotten friends that have never played a card game before and absolutely love it marvel ip theirs they already love the marvel ip and i mean i'm talking i guess people who i wouldn't call hardcore gamers hitting infinite having a ton of fun with it and it's been really cool to see that as someone who's played card games for a long time um, I've always tried sharing that with them and it's always been something that they've really disliked. And now all of a sudden, even that is opening them up to other, I guess, board games, card games, uh, other card video, uh, other video games. It's just been really cool to see. Um, and yeah, like you said, I kind of, uh, I dabble in a bit of Overwatch uh, in the evenings, but then uh, around that is pretty much just Marvel Snap at the moment. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, like uh, as Hearthstone, I, I've been on and off with Hearthstone since it released and when I don't have the time to play Hearthstone, which is it's a lot rarer now that I have a child, being able to play Marvel Snap in between is just like it's the easiest thing ever. And it is a ton of fun. You actually uh, I want to bring up you mentioned on uh, the Angry Chicken that you guys finally did a uh, the Snap episode. I knew that was uh, it was inevitable that you guys were going to do a uh, an episode on Snap. And you mentioned that um, there will be more. Yeah. I am certain there will be more. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it kind of goes uh, like kind of hand in hand. It's kind of cool that you uh, I guess there'll be a lot of Hearthstone players that haven't even looked at the game. So I guess, you know, giving them, you know, it, and like it is, it doesn't take over Hearthstone per se. They can definitely play it as uh, like, you know, exactly how you described in between other video games. Um, but Ben Brode, you you said that he explained after Hearthstone launched that he just had a child and it was, um, you know, Hearthstone was not an ideal game to be playing in between parenting. Uh, and uh, Marvel Snap is pretty much exactly the game that Ben Brode like would have liked back then and it's exactly now that i've experienced this 
Uh, I, I don't exactly have two hours to, you know, sit down and play Battlegrounds after work, but uh, while I'm, you know, in between uh, my child's nap and changing nappies and things like that, I can play, you know, two game, a game of Marvel Snap, three minutes. So that was uh, really interesting because I've, like, had firsthand experience with exactly that. Um, and, yeah, it really it is great that, you know, uh, on my lunch break at work, I'm not playing, you know, one game of Battlegrounds. I can play, you know, ten games of Marvel Snap, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. it's worth noting as well, uh, the the examples you gave your friends, Marvel Snap, the thing that I it does best that we may not notice as engaged players, it has the best onboarding experience of any card game because every card game is so inscrutable up front. Yeah. If you wanted to ever get into magic, the only method that worked was having a friend to get you to play it and to teach you everything yes. for months. And Snap has... It, it has bots that people don't know are bots. It has uh, incredibly gentle tutorial mechanics, shows you everything in the way that you need to see it, uh, drip feeds you cards in a curated order. Yep. It is so, so good at getting people from starting the game to continuing to play, whereas every other card game is so bad at it. Yeah, yeah and I think you're exactly right. My friends were able to like go, oh, well, this isn't too complicated. I, I understand this. I've got these cards that I understand. Now they're, you know, at the end of pool three and, you know, exactly like you said, they were onboarded in an easy, uh, simple way. They, there was enough strategy to keep them interested, but it wasn't so overwhelming that they, you know, gave up on it. I, I was convinced that some of my friends were going to play it for a week or two and then go, yeah, this is too hard. But uh, it's exactly right. Um, and I even think of other card games, other digital card games. If you don't have a friend with cards to play, you know, it can be very expensive upfront cost. Um, even even Hearthstone, like I, I've been invested since the start, so I don't really think of the cost anymore. But when I, you know, someone's new and they want to play a meta deck and it's like, oh, well, actually, you kind of need to spend a bit of money to get to that point. Um, whereas, yeah, this is like you said, you can you can essentially be completely free to play uh, if you want to. And I mean, plenty of people uh, like to play games that way. But even just the $15 season pass, uh, it's 15 Australian dollars. What is it actually? What is the price for you guys? 10 US. Yeah, 10 US. So it works out to about correct. Uh, maybe maybe a dollar cheaper than us. Uh, but yeah, so it's that um, that amount of money each month is quite uh, inexpensive for a, like a gaming service, in my opinion. Uh, especially when you look at other card games, it is incredibly inexpensive. And I think that really has also been uh, a massive uh, point that, you know, getting people to play Marvel Snap. Um, and yeah, it's just a fantastic game. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing uh, podcasts and episodes about it. All right, let's get into the featured location. Uh, so yes, because we're recording Saturday, we've only got the featured location for you guys this week. Warrior Falls. Uh, Hat, what was your uh, opinion on this uh, location? Did you enjoy the location? So I do wish the animations were faster. I'll just say that <laughs> up front. We're all thinking it. I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when they release new locations... The animations take a second. It's not your client. Your client is not bugged. It's just how it is right now. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think it's interesting. I felt pretty punished for developing into it early, but I have seen some clever plays, and I've occasionally made a clever play of my own. Um, I think my favorite one today was I saw a player who they developed into it, and they set their last card there as also the lowest cost as a Nova with no other destroy outlet. Yep. And so... They they let Warrior Falls do that for them. I did play a zero mana a zero power Mysterio there that turn, so it didn't work. But it was cool. Yeah, yeah. If it had worked, if it, if it had worked, that's exactly um, right. Um, that, that yeah, uh, that's I guess I've looked at the location as you know, oh, you know, you don't want to have the weakest card there. But th I guess you're right. There is some uh, synergies there 
uh, you know, on the attack side. Um, it's very interesting. Every time we bring up one of these locations, it seems to always resolve to a, a, a destroy mechanic. Uh, it's It's been very interesting. Um, there's always been ways to, I guess, manipulate cards like Venom. And uh, I guess there was a simple one there like Nova activating there. Um, it is, it's a very interesting location in that it feels very... I actually misinterpreted it at the start when it was explained to me uh, before I played it that, you know, the, the strongest card is what survived. But when I realized after a couple games, it's the weakest cards all are killed, uh, are destroyed. Uh, it's, I realized there is a lot of uh, a bit of intricacy with that location. Um, and to be honest, I just avoided it for my first few games until I realized exactly how it worked. And I guess depending on the deck, it can help you or it can be a bit of a detriment. Um, but I think it was a fine, a cool location. Um, I, it didn't, I didn't feel like it restricted deck building too much, um, which is good because we've had, I guess, some weeks where it's been quite restrictive. Do you, do, uh, I like to ask everyone this, but do you, are you a fan of the featured locations or do you think there is a better way to do it? Kind of both. Yep. Kind of both. It's so location, location preference is a great way to introduce novelty and test deck, deck building to a degree where, especially if the location is interesting. It, it's Mindscape hot location. I have nothing good to say about Mindscape <laughs> hot location. Don't do that again. You shouldn't have done that the first time. Yep. But, you know, but sometimes you have, uh, you have pretty interesting things going on. I think Warrior Falls is on the verge of interesting. Um, Need of Valir was still one of my favorite uh, couple day periods when they put that one out a while ago. Yep. Um, Shuri's Lab was interesting. The Nexus was academically interesting, but it didn't <laughs> win a lot that week. Yeah. Um, but after, you know, after half a day to a day, I'm kind of done. And sometimes the hot location is not always one that I want to play into. And a lot of the time... The locations encourage no fun cards. They encourage the fun police. Yeah. And if that's going to keep happening, then the structure needs to change or the cards need to change. Like some component of that needs to stop happening. Because when you end up with things like uh, the peak, I think is the best example of it was so good at making things that you don't want to be good in your video game good. Like I had Leech Index. You don't want players to play Leech. <laughs> if they're playing Leech on purpose and winning because of it, something has gone wrong. Yeah. So like I don't want that kind of mechanic going on. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting getting people's opinions because some people absolutely love it and then other people are like, if it's for more than, you know, five hours, I'm absolutely like sick of it. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a cool mechanic in that it does shake up the meta a little bit as you know, we're only getting, you know, at the moment one card each month. So I guess it is a way to, you know, I feel like a month of just no changes would get stale pretty fast, but like you said, it can be very restrictive on deck building and it becomes, you either play this deck or you counter it with things like Cosmo, Enchantress, Leech. And that's exactly what tends to happen. You, you pick one side or the other. Uh, so yeah, I think Warrior Falls fell into, like you said, on the verge of being interesting. There's some cool things you can do with it, but not super restrictive. And I think when they do that, it's it's fine. It doesn't. I can feel like I can play different decks and not feel too bad. Um, but there has definitely been some featured locations and hot locations where I've just wanted to put Snap down and uh, not play it for that day. Um, but I think yeah, Warrior Falls pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I, I mean, I guess it is like you said. It feels we've discussed it in regards to other video games. It's a way for you to get familiar with the location before it enters the pool. I think just the fact that it's in a ranked mode makes it can make it feel bad. 
You know, you, you've been playing a deck, you've been grinding, you've been leveling up, and then all of a sudden you you can't play that deck for the next two days because it's just getting stomped by everything. Um, but yeah, so I, I, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want people to be able to completely opt out of it because when you have people that completely opt out of a deck or out of locations or whatever, you start getting much closer to like final destination, no items, space animals only. And you don't want that because hyper spiky players will just eliminate all of the variants in the game and locations are important i want locations to exist yes i'm an ego snapper by the way when i say ego (laughs) i am snapping and then we see where the game goes that's just how it how it is because ego would snap so we got to do it for him so (laughs) i i don't want like a separate queue or whatever just some component of it it either needs to be shorter or different locations or the fun police cards can be nudged so that maybe the locations are more fun. But even then you run the risk of Shuri's lab and certain things are just so much better than others. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I think one day, even for the featured locations, I think 24 hours is maybe ideal. And like I've heard people say, you know, six hours, but with time zones, 24 hours has to be the number. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, like someone mentioned it and I'm like, well, if it's only six hours, we will literally in Australia all be asleep for every featured location. So 24 hours, I guess, is the minimum that they can have those locations. Um, But yeah, definitely, like you said, when you get into having to adjust other cards around the featured location, you're going to run into some being really, really powerful and some not really doing much. Um, But yeah, I definitely think it's a a good idea. Uh, Hot location, I guess, a little bit less keen on. Um, Featured location, I feel, is to onboard you onto the, like, with the location. Um, Yeah, there's been some interesting hot locations as well, like you mentioned. Uh, but cool, yeah. The day they make Lekaguilia a hot location, I'm just I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna think about uninstalling. <laughs> and and that's the thing they have to be very selective with uh, which ones they choose because some can be like just completely game changing for that 24 hours. Uh, cool, good to get your opinion on that. Uh, you're speaking about playing a few different decks. What's I guess been mo- you've uh, been seeing the most success with this season, if any? Most success with <laughs> yeah. or most want to play? Uh, like, so yeah, okay. give us both. I want to be a move believer. I want to be a move man. Yeah. But it's really hard to play. And if you play it correctly, you're aiming for like a 51% win rate. Yeah. Because it's outside of the few screenshot games, you're going to end up with a deck that's a lot of work to just slap your minions around the board to maybe get there and also still probably not. Yeah. So I want it to work. I've tried a lot. It almost works. It's really good at almost working. Yeah. But that's not enough. So, you know, I've been playing. Um, there's a, do you know Tori Kuhn, player named Tori Kuhn? Um, basically, he designed the Magic Carnage uh, deck that I think was really, really good. Um, and then he made a Sarah Arrow, a Serrero. Yes. Yeah, a Serrero. Serrero. Yeah, some Serrero deck. So I've been trying both those out. The Sarah Arrow, it has Okoyo in it for the for the event. Um, and that's been, like, decent for me. Uh, Magic Carnage, what I used to climb from 70 to 80, where I'm still hovering right now. I've tried a lot of other things. Um, you know, tried more Ultron, tried more Arrow Death Wave. I have not tried Spectrum Destroyer yet, but I built it. Yep. It's in the client. Yep. I haven't played it yet. <laughs> But I just know that whenever I'm ready to say, screw this, I'm I'm going for the meta deck, that will be there for me, and I will probably win games. I don't know if I'll have fun doing that, but I will probably win games with it. I do have um, a new deck that I saw some people trying out, was a Lockjaw discard deck. 
and I see that maybe you're trying it out. Why don't you tell me about that? Yeah, so um, I, I did see that list and I uh, saw it on Marvel Snap Zone, and it's been, uh, it's been, it's been. I haven't really played a lot with it. It's only been a couple of days, but it's been pretty good. Uh, I've got Hella in the deck as well, um, and there's some pretty interesting shenanigans with that. Um, like even even discarding a bunch of cards, Lockjaw bringing out Hella playing all those cards again. You can get your Apocalypse pretty big. And then drawing um, Chavez on turn six, you, you're generally playing one of them. Uh, Apocalypse is getting discarded by Dracula, and then you, you can swarm the board with your swarms. Also, playing the swarms at Lockjaw's location is really, really cool. Um, you've just got a bunch of zero-cost cards that are then pulling out more discard cards. Uh, it's been fun, and there's been games where I'm losing all three locations, and then turn six, I just win them all. Uh, and I mean, it is very, there is a lot of RNG that's with any discard deck, but I played a lot of discard early on in the game. So I, I am fairly familiar with it. Just figuring out how Lockjaw goes into the deck is pretty much been the only, I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, skill difficulty, but it's been pretty easy to play. Uh, you just, a little bit of math involved, I guess, but yeah, um, it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it so far. On your, on your point about move decks, uh, I played a ton of move when the game was released here in Australia in beta, and it's such a cool mechanic. It is so much fun, but I feel bad every time I come up against a move deck, they just get blown out of the water, and they, even when they do everything perfectly, like you said, I'm like, wow, they might win this, and they still don't. So it is, it's such a cool mechanic. I feel like it's missing just, it's just missing something. There's just, there's just something missing. Yes, of course, it's got a high like skill level. So, you know, you're not picking it up day one, but I feel like th there's just something missing there. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so fun, move decks. There's, it's really fun and it feels very dynamic. There's something about it where like Human Torch takes so much work and is so vulnerable to Killmonger. Yep. Um, Dagger is better, but it's still pretty small. And I will say like pool one, pool two move, they're multiple man decks. And you end up spamming the board with multiple men or more likely not doing that and <laughs> wishing you could because there are just so many pieces necessary and you don't have redundancy at all at that level. Um, pool three move feels a lot more like a Craven deck. And yep. if there was less Shang, it would maybe work. Yeah. But you just you have to make them see it coming and then you get Shanged off the face of the earth on turn six and you just can't do anything. Yeah. I think you're right. Like, uh, I really liked Human Torch when I unlocked it, and I was like, "Oh, this is the missing piece." And then it just got killmongered every game, and that felt that yeah. just feels awful when you put all of the effort into uh, into your Human Torch. You've got Craven, of course. That's right. You've got a lot of movement once you get into Pool Three. But yeah, I think like you said uh, about the locations, when you've got cards that just completely counter. You know, Human Torch. If Human Torch just didn't die to Killmonger, I feel like the deck would feel a little bit better. But I mean, Killmonger is everywhere. Shang-Chi is everywhere. So it just makes the deck like borderline unplayable if you're trying to, I guess, hit infinite. Um, but it's it's so much fun. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we, we get there eventually <laughs> for sure. Yeah, uh, there are cards that are close. Um, I've really enjoyed playing Magneto. Polaris is obviously great. Like yep. Polaris can absolutely steal some lanes. Yes. Um, I love sniping Bucky's or Hoods when they Carnage and just dragging them over. Yep. Uh, but you really have to manage initiative. And the problem is you really want to go first on turn six, but you don't have the numbers. Yeah. So it's really hard to go first because all of your stuff is small. And then turn six is usually when you play something big. I've been trying out a list with Arrow and I have had one 
really amazing experience where I did Iron Fist Arrow, where I shove all their stuff in an empty lane. Yeah, that's so and cool. That felt amazing, and then I tried it again, and it never worked again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really cool. Like like you said, like you just you get excited about the plays that uh, are capable with a move deck. Uh, it's just I guess the consistency is not there, is what we're uh, saying. Cool. Um, so cool to hear playing a few things. I, I feel like I get very, I'm very a big advocate of the like play one deck, get comfortable with it if you're trying to rank up. And I take that into like most card games, I guess. So I probably, I probably, once I hit infinite, I start testing a lot of things, but I feel like I'm not really a big deck tester, more of a, I guess, yeah, I kind of just stick to one thing, which is kind of, I guess I'm really like not experiencing the whole game, but uh, I guess yeah, it's very interesting because so many people I talk to, it's just, I've tried this deck and this deck and then this deck's so much fun. And I feel like I get really fixated in, in like one lane, I guess. Uh, I guess I kind of do that <laughs> in life as well. So yeah, maybe that's uh, more of a commentary on myself than uh, my video game, uh, my card game playing. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I guess you play, yeah, you play like a lot of decks, different decks in Marvel Snap generally in a season. I am a deckless gremlin. I like I hoard deckless in any game I play. <laughs> yeah. I really love scattered experiences like that where I just I try things out and I see what goes on. I play fast. I try stuff. Yep. Um, but I don't think there's, you know, everyone has their own way of enjoying the game and uh, focusing in on something and mastering it. There's value to that. And especially if it works for you. And I should probably do that more. But <laughs> for me, the card game experience, a lot of it is about variety of both what I'm playing and what I'm facing. Yes. Because I like the option of being able to decide what I want to do in any given day. And there were there are times where I will find a deck and I'm like, this is what I'm doing for now. And every time I log in, I will keep doing that as long as that experience remains novel and fresh. But also, even if it doesn't, if I love what I'm doing and I keep winning with it, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. Right now, I don't have that problem. There, there's no problem of anything that I'm just, I'm winning too much to change. It's <laughs> yeah. quite the opposite. Uh, yeah, I think that's, um, uh, yeah, like, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, I guess you're balancing between, do I want to become an expert with this deck or do I want to have fun and play different decks? And I feel like I, I do get that experience when I get, I guess, a deck starts becoming stale and I pick up a new deck list, all of a sudden, like, my enjoyment just goes right back up. Um, and I guess when I'm learning, I probably do enjoy the game the most and games. I mean, the learning experience, I guess, is why we play video games. Um, you know, getting into a game, you already know everything, I guess, is, you know, not as enjoyable to me and I guess probably yourself as well. Or else we wouldn't be complaining about metas not changing. <laughs> you know, uh, if a card game came out and they never had an update, I mean, it would get stale pretty quickly. Um but yeah, I think it's uh, the only game I guess that forced me to play different decks was Keyforge. Uh, I got really big into mm. Keyforge, and I guess I that that was the first game where I just wanted to play as many decks as possible because every time was a new experience. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I guess how I I guess I perceive card games and deck building. All right, let's uh, Black Panther. The yep. algorithm in <laughs> Keyforge is significant. There's yeah. a lot going on to that to that experience, but that is a very different topic of and a very different card game. Yes, exactly. That is exactly right. I've spoken about it before. Um, a few of me, me and a few friends got really heavy into that game, and it is coming back, uh, which is very exciting. Um, it got relaunched, which is very hard to do with a game that has been gone for several years so we'll see where that lands uh black panther hot topic for the last couple of weeks there's been tons of deck lists um i am really enjoying black panther as a card it's i guess 
Uh, we've had a few season pass cards that have been hyped for a couple days, and then we've realized there's not a ton that we can do with them yet. Uh, Black Panther, there's a bunch of combos that you can do with it. I've been having fun playing it in between, I guess, other decks. Uh, have you been, have you used Black Panther much since it uh, released? Not really. Like, it's solid. I've seen a bunch of it. People like the big numbers. Yes. People really, really do. Um, I don't have any problem with Black Panther, but I've done the Wong thing already. And, like, I enjoy a good Wong deck as much as the next guy, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it feels just you either you do the thing and they don't have the disruption, or you do the thing and they do have the disruption and the thing doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, I tried it a couple lists with it. Uh, kind of reminds me of Thor, where, again, it's, it, it, they're screenshot generators. Yeah. But whenever I was playing the decks, I never felt like it had the amount of agency that I wanted because yep. uh, they tend to be a little bit heavier and a little bit more draw dependent. Yeah. So, I, you know, don't mind the card, but don't have strong feelings about it. How about you? Yeah, I, I think I um I didn't like I was enjoying it. Same as you, Wong, like the the, the, the combo with Wong Arnim Zola was great. Uh, but then when it started getting countered, I guess I, I kind of ended up in a Mr. Negative version of it. So um, playing Mr. Negative mm. and then... If you and like a very draw dependent, but if you end up with a Black Panther and like a zero cost Arnim Zola on turn six, uh, your opponent kind of can't, I guess, anticipate it, which can be pretty good. I had a game where I spoke about this last week, but I had a game where I played Wong at uh, a bar with no name, and my opponent was just like, What is going on here? And then uh, Black Panther got massive Arnim Zola. Uh, I was able to play Odin there as well. Arnim Zolita and then won the other two locations very, very comfortably. Uh, so stuff like that, like you said, screenshot generators, uh, definitely. Um, I think the card's cool. I think there could be a lot of cool things happening in the future with it. Uh, it's a very combo-y sort of uh, card. But I, I guess, yeah, it's I, I guess I've enjoyed it more than some of the previous season pass cards would be my, yeah, yeah rounding it up for Black Panther. Um, on that, what is the, your, so far, what has been your favorite season pass card? Trying to think of them all. Mm. If, if this helps, has anyone said Nick Fury yet? Has anyone said that? No, I don't think anyone would say Nick Fury, <laughs> apart from maybe you. I'm, just, I'm asking. I'm not going to say Nick oh, Fury. Okay, okay, but no, I'm just, definitely not. I have not heard anyone that enjoyed I, Nick Fury. It's, have you heard anyone that has an opinion on Nick Fury? Uh, yes, my uh, a good friend of mine has a very very negative opinion of it. When Hella uh, played Nick, sorry, when Nick Fury. Uh, play got him an Ultron in hand and then that ended up getting pl discarded and then played by Hella and filling the board with bots uh, with drones and he almost threw his phone at the wall <laughs> does your friend know that is objectively hilarious it, yes it was we I, I don't think anyone didn't laugh at that <laughs> yeah yep. man that's good um I don't know I am partial to wave I am partial to Wade. Yeah, yeah. I know that people have strong feelings about her one way or another, uh, but I think it is the most interesting. I do, I would say, I think that Black Panther is probably the kind of card that you want to be good from a design perspective. Yep. Because, like, it's rad, and it plays with hand buff, and it plays with, and it's just, like, putting big numbers down, but you got to work for it, and you want to work for it. Yeah. But Wave sets up so many different things. And is also extremely competitive in ways that both we all saw coming and in ways that we didn't see coming, while also giving your opponent some opportunity. Like something I've seen a lot of lately, thanks to KM Best, White Queen is everywhere. So if you have a death in hand and you get White Queen, you got to be careful about that wave because you cannot play that on turn five without getting bodied by your own death. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, 
I think, so in Australia, we didn't get the beta until the Thor season. So we actually didn't get a chance to purchase Wave. So I've only, I've almost finished my collection and I only unlocked Wave maybe this week. So it's been one card that I've just, oh, been, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's Wait, a, you finally got her. Yeah. You wanted her for so long. Yep. So it's, uh, it's been interesting because like so many decks have wave and I've just been not able really to play them to their full potential. Uh, I think wave is probably the strongest of the season pass cards that have released so far. Uh, in my opinion, it's not even close, right? Like Thor yeah. got buffed and it's still like kind of close. Yeah. It's not miles. It's probably not Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's yeah, it's got to be Black Panther. So wait, so wait, hold on, hold on. This is your first week with Wave when you've been talking about her on this show for since episode one. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, so so we 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 had the Thor season, so we completely missed the first month and a half of you guys got it. So how has it been? How has it been playing with it? With Wave, yeah, no, it's been cool. I played Death Wave, which I have not been able to play. Uh, fun deck. Um, I pretty much had everything except Wave for that deck for a long time. Uh, that's been fun, kind but kind of important. I feel like, yeah, for sure. I feel like uh, the the way that like more people are of a higher skill level now. So I feel like Death Wave uh, early on would have been just absolutely ridiculous and super OP. But now it's like everyone kind of knows what they're doing. Shang Chi's coming out. Like it's it's very, I guess, yeah. Playing it earlier would have been, I guess, a much better experience. But it's definitely a good deck. Uh, what else have I used Wave with so far? I think I um. Uh, what did I try Wave with? I'm trying to think. I, I tried Wave in Patriot. That was interesting. Didn't really work how I wanted it to. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think what you said about the card is it is a very competitive card in that you, you, your opponent also gets the ability, but you, I guess you have agency on when you want to activate it. Um, so even like a like I've seen Waves like played on me uh, turn five and then turn six, my massive play. Like it's, it, it can be used in ways where you get to cheat out cards early, but you can also stop your opponent from playing lots of cards on their turn. Uh, and that, yeah, that's, that's like, I've just lost games straight up to wave because they play at turn five and I can't swarm the board, uh, anymore, especially like, yeah, even like swarm discard, uh, you know, if you've got a car, like, you know, a Kazar deck, you know, it definitely, it's a really, really cool card. And I don't think it really compares to anything released so far. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess Wave isn't my favorite season pass card because I didn't even get it as a season pass card. Um, but I definitely think, uh, Black Panther is really, really cool, like you said. And, and Daredevil, we kind of, that was our first full season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Daredevil was that our- That guy. That guy might be more competitive than Wade. Like, it's on yeah. the same bar. It's yes. one of the better ones. And Daredevil is more tilting because it always makes me snap so poorly. Because if I was planning on snapping on five, like, I'll just see how this turn four plays out. And they play a Daredevil, it's like- well, do I snap now? Because I'm going to feel really stupid. Either they're going to look at my card and retreat, or they're going to stay and I should retreat. Yes, and uh, I think I've 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 seen uh, Professor X drop on uh, turn five enough for me to <laughs> not want to come up against Daredevil. Uh, I think it's a really cool card, though, in that it, it is a very powerful ability. Um, I think, yeah, that is probably also, I guess, a card I would consider to be my favorite season pass card. And I mean, Daredevil is just a really cool character as well, so <laughs> for sure. Um, so that is, uh, I guess, yeah, that's a uh, favorite season part. So w- what's your final answer? Wave? We're going with wave as your favorite one. I think so. Like it's, I don't, I don't have a ton of love yes. for any of them. Yep. Like none of them are like, oh, this card's amazing. Like I've enjoyed playing Miles Morales, but yes. how excited are you going to be about an undercost stat stick? Like, it's just not that excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I'm sure there will be cards in the future that I'm like, this is really great. I resonate with this. There hasn't been one I've resonated with. Wave has been the one that felt like it's opened the most doors for other decks to exist. So I'm going to go with that for now. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely, uh, there's, it'll be definitely interesting to see where the season pass, I guess, cards go. Um, of course, we're, we're assuming we're getting... We're going to be getting more cards able to be unlocked on the collection track. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that ties in with the season pass, if there's any changes there. Um, but that's cool. Great answer. Uh, mobile ge- the mobile game nomination. So Marvel Snap was nominated for uh, best mobile game, which is really, really cool. I'm going to switch over to... I've got the games here that were... Uh, actually, I won't bring that up. Um, so we've got Apex Legends Mobile was nominated, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Tower of Fantasy, and Marvel Snap. Now, there's a lot of big names there straight up. Uh, you've got Apex Legends, which is, I mean, a very uh, a well-known game at this point. Uh, Diablo Immortal, another very loved series. Um, and then Genshin Impact is, I guess, a lot newer, but uh, I've played it a little bit. It's a really, really cool game as well. Hat, what's your thoughts on, um, I guess, Marvel Snap's chance of taking this uh, this uh, award? I think it's got a pretty good chance. I admit, I don't have a lot of familiarity with most of these. And the familiarity yep. I have with Diablo Immortal is um, not the good kind. Yep. It's, I mean, and I will say, I played the campaign of that game for free. Fun campaign. Don't spend any money on it. Yeah. And after you're done with the campaign, just uninstall it. <laughs> uh, but like the, the, I enjoyed it, and I didn't spend any money on it, and it's fine. Yep. But I understand the game is uh, somewhat evil. Um, I don't know. It's hard to bet against Genshin, yeah. and I don't know what Tower of Fantasy is. Me either. <laughs> but um, Snap is Snap seems like it's highly likely to be the only non-predatory game in this list. Uh and I feel extremely confident that is the only game in this list that was predatory and then said, we don't want to be that anymore. Have your money back. Yes. I would I would like for the judges to consider that as something they want to encourage. And I think there's a chance that they will because the vibe around it is so important of they could have made more money and said, no, here's your money back and we're not going to take more. Yes. And they might say, I want to vote for that. In addition, I bet a lot of the judges are playing Marvel Snap because all sorts of people out there just tweet about this game yeah. all the time that I never would have expected. Yep. It's it's true. I've seen so many, like, I'll, I'll just be scrolling through Twitter and be like, oh, they're playing Snap? And it's just like, you know, just people not even, I guess, in the, 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 the game sphere of uh, like content creation. And people are just like jumping on this game left, right, and center. Uh, I do think, yeah, there is some very big games uh, that it's up against. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. But I think you're right in that this is one of the rare, if only times I can recall a game uh, like realizing that they made a fairly large mistake with their monetization and fixing it and like, you know, <laughs> like realizing, hey, this is actually not what we wanted to do. And, you know, because uh, w- when I saw Nexus events, we we actually saw Nexus events when we got the beta in Australia. So uh, we actually didn't experience the game before them. So like as soon as I saw, like started playing the game, Nexus events, when I realized like what Nexus events was, I was super, I guess, like most people, a little bit turned off by the game when I realized how much money the game was actually going to cost me. And it was a little worrying for us because, you know, we got kind of addicted in the first few weeks and then realized like, hey, I don't have this card. This card's really cool. 
Uh, so I, I, I was uh, I was very worried at that point. When uh, the decision to remove Nexus events was made, it was just like a straight-up clapping moment. Like, everyone was just pretty taken back by... It wasn't even like a, hey, we'll just try it for a little bit and see what happens. And, of course, you know, Backlash is going to fuel it a little bit. But, I mean, the refunding, like, I did not expect... I did not see that coming at all because um, I spent a bit of... A fair bit of gold initially, like, just the gold I'd earned. Um, and just getting all that back was just, like, just a big win uh, so I definitely think you're right. If if uh, you know, probably not something they take into consideration. But I guess that is that is a like something that you know that a game is doing that is positive uh, in the gaming industry when so much of it is very predatory, like you've uh, mentioned. Um, again, Shin Impact's the same. Like this, like you can just dump money into that game. Uh, a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. It's like you called it admitting a mistake. And that's almost not not even where I want to go, like considering it as a mistake, because the yeah. other games make the same decision as part of their core business strategy. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's only a mistake if you care what people tweet at you. Yeah. But otherwise, they stop tweeting and still pay. Yes. And they've they've told us in in the official discord, like next events did well financially. Yeah. We just didn't feel good about it. Yeah. So they decided to stop cashing the checks, but if they just left them in the game, they would work. So exactly what you said when when we when we were discussing like Nexus events, my my point of view is exactly what you said. Like I can guarantee this is making money. Like there's no chance that like it it, it works in every other game. Why wouldn't it work for Marvel Snap? So I think you're right. It's not even admitting a mistake. It is realizing that it was you know we don't want to be like every other video game that's just you know. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, cash and checks, you know, like we're just, you know, making as much money as we can with this game. It's really like, you can see how much care there is for the player base. And I think for the longevity of a game, that is essential. And it's uh, just seeing what's happening with other like digital card games and stuff. It's really one of those, uh, I, I, there's not really much to say on it. It's just amazing how they've handled things. And uh, I guess it's just made the game better for it. Like, yes, there was a bit of backlash, but I, I think pretty much everyone who had negative things to say about Nexus events are playing Marvel Snap again. So that's really cool to see. Um, there was tons of backlash, and pretty much everyone I saw tweeted that backlash are playing Marvel Snap now. So, uh, yeah, really, really cool. Uh, hopefully it gets the win uh, for this nom- uh, for the Game Awards. Um, we will be seeing. I will. I need to vote for it. I'm going to do that straight after the show. Um, cool. So, future game modes. Um, we, we're getting a new game mode before the end of the year is the schedule right now. Uh, I feel like a versus mode is like uh, like essential for a trading card game. I mean, from day one, we've been like, oh, I'd love to play against my friends. Every now and then in Australia, I don't know if you've had the same experience, but because we have a lot less players during our beta, it was actually quite common for us to queue up against people we knew. Um, I reckon at least once a week I was queuing into a game with someone I personally know or know from content creation, which was, I guess it was such a great experience when it happened. And we kind of just automatically snapped every single time that that was the case, which was quite fun. Um, But then, yeah, like testing decks and things like that, it's quite difficult when you want to, I guess, test specific matchups and things like that. So battle mode, really excited for it. Uh, I haven't heard anyone that's not excited for it. Um, and anyone who doesn't have anyone to play with, I will play with you. Hit me up, uh, tweet at us. We've definitely, there's tons of us that, you know, would love to play with, you know, anyone really. Um, any future game modes that you have, I guess, come up with in your own mind? We tried doing it early before there was any new game modes. Battle mode was one, but we didn't really figure out how they would do the cube system. They've now, I guess, resolved that, which is really cool. 
Uh, so yeah, any game mode ideas that you have? Yeah, it's. I think. I want to frame it outside of even game modes. In-game social, which includes friendly challenges but is not exclusively friendly challenges, is so important. You need to have a friends list so that when you queue into someone, you can text them after yes. in the client and be like, you know, did not expect the the arrow or something. Yeah. And by the way, you should expect an arrow right now. Everyone's playing arrow. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really good. Um, but in-game social and, you know, friendly challenges... Uh, I could easily have a daily mission to challenge a friend. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And then, uh, what's what's the official uh, format they've landed on? Is it the cube HP thing? Uh, yeah, so the ten cubes. So like yeah. playing until you get to ten cubes. Yeah. So there's first to ten cubes. the The format that I thought of is it's you have cube HP. You have a uh, cube like life total. Yes. Where you have two decks and. Eight cubes but, uh, for each. Yep. And then you can decide whatever you're playing, but as soon as one gets to zero, then you can't play that anymore. Yes. And I like the idea of the overflow hitting the other one. Yep. Um, okay. I, I like that. That's, right? Because it's, yeah. Because you don't want someone to just, like, they get down to one life and they just snap on turn one every single game. Uh, you, there needs to be some component of risk to it. The same reason that the main ladder doesn't have rank floors outside of infinite and rank 10. Um, if you are down to one cube, that doesn't mean just run it up to eight and try and equalize it. It means play the way you've been playing. Yes. Um, so, but that could be, you know, there might be some some interesting stuff on managing cube totals if there were floors put in but the idea of having a couple decks to switch back and forth between and 16 cubes total versus 10 i don't want games to go forever yeah um yeah but it's there are a lot of different formats that you could try out once we have friendly challenges in the game yep i'd be really curious to see what they look like and i want to see how long an event takes to run how long the match takes with if it's first to 10 yeah that's right i mean if you're if if both players are being very conservative then it could be a, a quite a long match in the end. You know, if we're getting a one-cube win, a two-cube loss, one-cube win, for sure, it definitely could become, I guess, a a long format. Um, I my, yeah. kind of, my kind of idea, I've heard this one come up a few times, would be like an official draft mode, uh, very common in card games. Um, the game being only 12-card decks would really suit it, in my opinion. Being able to, I guess, draft 12 cards would be very, very quick process be able to get into some games uh i don't know how you incorporate the cube system probably something like we've done like getting to a certain cube total uh um you know you and then you know that's when the deck retires um that would be really cool to see there's an unofficial uh stone donkey created a draft app um in browser so you can draft cards that way build the deck in the game and play that way um something official like that i think would be really cool uh you know a lot of people love playing uh draft in card games uh, what's your thoughts on a draft mode, I guess? Drafting rules. Yeah. yeah I'm all about it. It's yeah. uh, it's fun. And Snap as well in particular, like, you don't need to focus as much on the curve. Like, you can't have everything cost five or six, right? Um, but you don't need a one drop in your deck. Yes. It's, you really don't. So some people could find them, but you really don't need one. And so the I think the idea of a draft, if well done, like, could absolutely be a lot of fun. Uh, I'd be curious in trying it, seeing what what ends up happening i wonder if you would do like would you do pool buckets yeah i guess you would have to based on where well i guess yeah for for skill level like if you're only in pool one and you're getting pool three draft cards thrown at you yeah it would be a bit overwhelming 
But uh, but yeah. even that, the poker cards are so synergy focused. Like yeah. you would want a base of cards that just kind of work. Oh, like sorry, you need Angelas and Wolfsbane's. Yep. Like because if your draft, like if you pick up a Destroyer and a Mordo, like what are you doing? Yeah. I guess I guess you're right. Sorry, I get I understand the question now. So like maybe five pool one cards, five pool two cards, and then two pool three cards to build a twelve card deck. Like you, that's what you're offered. So you know you don't yeah, something you, like that. Yeah, I want to experiment with it. Of course. Or maybe you need more pool three cards so you can pick cards that work well with well, each other. Yeah, pool yeah, three yeah. is kind of a crapshoot, <laughs> as anyone that has opened a collector's reserve will tell you. Yeah. Um so like, you know, if you if you get a bunch of I mean, I guess it's a draft, so you have options, depends how many choices you get, but you don't want to end up with Adam Warlocks in your deck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's right. You don't want to you know what your options are, Baron, uh Adam Warlock and <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> yeah, Crystal. Yeah, yeah those are your three options. But yeah, no, I definitely think that would be cool. A draft mode. Obviously, we don't know exactly how that would look, but definitely would be, uh, I think, something people would really be on board for. And I, I thought it'd be cool for players, I guess, that aren't in pool three to experience pool three cards. Like right now, you know, if, yes. if they can actually like, hey, draft a destroyer and like build, you know, probably quite difficult in dra uh, in a draft mode. But yeah, they pick up a cool pool three card that they can actually play with. And I guess it gives them something to look forward to as well uh, in on ladder. Uh, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, we've I've heard so many ideas for different game modes. Excited that we are, I guess, getting a, 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 a game mode where we converse people. I really like what you said about the social aspect. I mean, card games generally are, you know, single player games, but when there is a social aspect, it can be really, really enjoyable. I saw on the, uh, on the road, the development roadmap, they had, uh, like guilds and like, I guess, ways to have like a team of players, which is, I mean, not super done in like digital card games. So I think that's a very interesting thing. Um, and I guess something like that is facilitating that social aspect a little bit. Uh, you're looking at me funny. Is that is there is there a digital card game that I haven't played with that? Magic Online in like 2008. <laughs> yeah, yeah, did yeah. that. But it's I'm trying to think if any of them did in the past like decade. Yeah. Because Magic Online is not a platform known for digital innovation. It's known for a terrible UI. <laughs> iterated on about four different times and made worse each time um <laughs> but i remember back in magic online 2.0 we had a a clan yeah that's cool where all it was was y your clan name was in your profile yep. and you had a chat for the clan and that was it yeah that was all that was offered and it was the coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah and nobody else has done anything no. there's nothing in any card game since it's interesting because there are a lot of video games that have that whole clan, uh, like Clash of Clans is obviously an obvious one where you have a clan and you have a chat where you guys can chat with each other, organize, you know, like... Because otherwise, who would clash? <laughs> That's right. You, you can't have clash with nothing. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so um, uh, there's, uh, there's actually a lot of even mobile games that have that mechanic and uh, well, I guess that social aspect. And I mean, it kind of fits into a card game. I mean, you see like on other platforms, we're discussing decks, we're discussing cards, I mean, that's the meat of, I guess, discussing the game. You know, we're not discussing mechanical skills. We're discussing strategies and things like that. So uh, I guess the social, that social aspect of a card game just makes sense. And it's interesting that it just hasn't been done. Uh, I think you're you're definitely right there. Well, at least not in the past 15 years. <laughs> yeah, that's but right. Like, <laughs> but Wizards of the Coast did it in 2007. And everyone else is like, nah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, Arena doesn't have anything like that. Uh, as far as I know, like none of the popular digital card games have that. So if, if Marvel Snap could be the first in a long time, uh, that would be very interesting. 
Um, because yeah, and and just being able to play, like you said, like I noticed in the settings of the game, you have a snap ID. So we already have like that ID uh, under the hood there. Like it's 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 built in. So I guess having um, being able to play with friends uh, is going to be really really cool. And it's uh, I guess it was always intended to be a feature. I'm glad they figured out a cool way to do it. Cool. Um, so leading into that, uh, our next discussion, future game modes, we've got uh, what would a Marvel Snap competitive scene look like? Uh, so far, we've had Cube Rush, which has been, I guess, a a way that we've been able to have a competitive uh, way to play Marvel Snap against each other. Uh, it's a weekly event that Marvel Snap Zone run. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, I think Loot Muncher runs it um, for Marvel Snap, through Marvel Snap Zone, I guess. Um, so that's, uh, I guess it's a cool way. It's not an ideal way, but it was, I guess the only logical way to do it without it being implemented into the game. Um, uh, what do you think a competitive scene in Marvel snap could look like? And do you think it could get to the heights of, I guess, other digital card games? So I'm not a huge esports believer in terms of as a functional business model for companies. Yeah. Um, it's everyone uses league of legends as the example. Riot brags about how much money they lose doing it. Yeah. And like they're proud of it and they know it. And League can absorb that because League makes more money than anything. Um, I think if you look at what an average esports scene looks like, if you look at the Hearthstones and Rune Terrors of the world, uh, it's the players in them complain about them while queuing up for another one over and over again. Uh, because it's basically a captive audience of people that want to spend time and compete and they, they will do what they have to do. Yeah. Uh, so I believe that generally these things should be more on the grassroots or base support level because the people that want to do it will do whatever you put in front of them. And all they are for the company is advertisement, is marketing. Yes. And they need to do that. And I do think that's more complicated with Marvel Snap, uh, just as content creation is more complicated with Marvel Snap. Because if you see a cool thing on TV – and you want to go give the company money so you can do the cool thing you see, you literally cannot. Yeah. You, there is, it's, it's just not possible without also a time investment. The amount of time between what I want to do and what I get to do is not fixable with money. Yes. Like, even with a lot of money, it still takes weeks. So even with the, so with the inability to go get what you want to get, what are you advertising? What are you marketing exactly? I do think you need to have something that you put in front of the super spiky gamers so they have a reason to keep playing. It doesn't even need to be that compelling. As long as it's something, they'll do it because that's what they do. Yeah. Um, the form that would taste, I would want something that's pretty basic and I would want something that's accessible to people that don't consider themselves competitive gamers the way that Snap is already accessible to people that don't consider themselves card gamers. Yep. So I think... Something in client, what I've liked the most actually was in a game called Eternal, a smaller card game called Eternal, where over one weekend, there was a separate ladder where it tracked the results of your first 20 games. Yep. And people with a certain record cutoff, the best record cutoff, the top 64, got invited to a tournament the next weekend with a seated bracket. Yeah. So it's an asynchronous tournament. You have the whole weekend to do it on your terms. It is very clear what you're looking for. And it's in the client, and then that seeds you into something to do next week at a pre-selected time. I'd like to see something like that. That's really, really cool idea. I guess it's not like uh, a, you know, I, I, I play this game every day for, you know, 12 hours to get to this level where I can play eSport at an eSports level. It's, it's, it's a, I guess, like you said, it's a, you know, a top cut. You, you've got your weekend. That's a, that's a really cool way to, I guess, 
run it because you're not going to be, you know, it's accessible. Like you said, Marvel Snap is a very accessible game. And it'd be great to tell my friend who, you know, isn't a hardcore gamer, hey, if you do well this weekend, you know, you, you, you could go and play in a tournament. That, that's just a really cool idea. Um, yeah, I really love that. That's, that's, a, that's really cool. Um, and so that was Eternal, did you say, was the game? Eternal Card Game is made by Direwolf Digital. It's a bunch yep. of it was a bunch of former Magic people that licensed some of Magic's mechanics, like officially licensed them, yep. and then made a digital version of that game. And you know, it's still around. It's fun, uh, lower polish level, but enjoyable and pretty accessible, and you know, not too expensive. Um, and has some interesting ideas. Uh, you know, I don't uh, like. I played it for six months-ish, I think, yep. um, and I enjoyed my time with it, but I didn't feel a super strong need to go back. But the way that they did the, their asynchronous tournaments, I think, was a really nice structure. And in this game, we'd probably do cube net cube gain in the first 20 games you play or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then just whoever had the most in a fixed amount of games yes. would, would advance. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I think, uh, like, I, I've been thinking about how, a, a, like, a competitive... I've been thinking more of once it gets to that stage, what what would it look like? Uh, how, how what the the format would actually be? And I thought of like we've, we're getting this mode where you know you've got that ten cube, you got to get to those ten cubes against a player. Um, I think Hearthstone do something similar in where they have they choose a bunch of decks. I think they might have a ban mechanic where they ban. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they ban the you know the other players a deck or two decks, and then they play with the remaining decks. Um, Keyforge taking this from Keyforge is where I got the idea. They had a very similar mechanic where you chose three decks. Uh, one deck got banned. You had to get one win with one deck and then a win with the other deck, and that would kind of fall into your ten HP, the overflow for, for the second deck uh, mechanic, which would be very. I feel like that's it, it, there's a little bit of logistics to it, but I feel like that bit would be cool. Because, you know, you, you can't just play one deck. You need to have a few decks ready, be familiar with them, um, and then you're going to have matchups with, you know, come up against decks that might counter it, might be a good matchup. Uh, but it's not just you rock up with a deck, they rock up with a deck, you know. If you rock up with your Black Panther deck and they have Shang-Chi, you know, you just, you, you don't want that sort of dynamic where it's, hey, this is the deck you play because it counters most things, you know, in the meta. You, you want that a bit of dynamic there. Uh, uh, that, that was, I guess, my idea. Um, for it, but I like your your opinion on how we would get to that stage. You know, having these, I guess, having smaller like tournaments where it's you know because right now there is no I guess other than of course there's content creators and streamers that are playing Marvel Snap to death. They're playing every day and they're getting really high infinite ranks. But other than that, right now I guess we don't have any like Marvel Snap players that we would go. Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're the Marvel Snap esports player. You know, they're that really well-known player. You know, there's um, you know there's a lot of players that I, I would consider at that level that when an esports scene starts, they're definitely going to be there. Um, I think you mentioned, um, uh, I think he's changed his name now. It's MS... KM Best. KM, KM yep. Best. That's it. There, That's it. There are players like, like I, yes, there's KM a, and Best, there's Agent Carter, I yep. would definitely say. Yep. For sure. Um, you know, the bot farmer himself, Sea uh, <laughs> Money out there would be pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's right now a lot of the names that we're learning are the people that are putting out content for the game because it's a new game. Correct. And we're watching a lot of videos. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I would love to see also a content creator tournament. Like, I want to see what uh, TLSG versus Rajtronic would be. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so you're exactly right. So um, like we, we were discussing once this new mode comes out, um, here at Infinite Snap, like we'd love to run a t- like tournaments like that, even if we did like, you know, even if it was only like fortnightly, monthly, uh, but something like that, because I guess that the, the game mode will at least enable us to run something like that. Um, I think of other card games, like digital card games where, 
They have like an, a system separate to queue, you know, get all the plays in the system. They choose the deck list and then it can queue people up against each other. And then we can do that in game. So I guess that would be the workaround for now, but it would at least enable us to, like you said, pit two players up against each other. And I guess, you know, see what they're made of, see who's got the best deck building, best deck choices. I think that would be really cool. So we're definitely planning to run something like that once the mode releases and we figure out the logistics of it. Um, but yeah, I think, and like you said, right now we're only seeing the content creators that are playing the game, but I can guarantee there are people that don't make content that are sitting at home and they're just killing the game. You know, like if you look at snap.fan, they have the, the list of, I guess, people's ranks and there's people, there's names on there that I go, I haven't even seen a tweet from this person. I can't find a social media account, but they're, they're killing it. You know, they're playing the game and they're, and they're doing really well. So I definitely think you're right. There is also that side of it that, um, you know, we're just seeing the content creators. We're seeing those players. But uh, I guess there's, you know, that's not that's not the meat of people that are playing Marvel Snap. There is uh, many, many more. So, um, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see the game get to a point where it, it, it has, I guess, maybe not an, it doesn't have to be an eSports scene, but I guess, you know, uh, you know, that sort of vibe. Uh, it's interesting what you said about grassroots because I, I look at uh, eSports, um, we, we can just look back, to, we can look at what Wizards of the Coast did recently in the last few years, absolutely uh, just, you know, I knew, you know, threw competitive play to the side and started focusing on the casual player because I guess, like you said, that's where the money is. You know, you're not making, you're not making your money at a competitive event, running events that costs money. You know, the prize money that you're giving out, it can be quite large. So you've got to factor that into it. Um, and I, like I think of, uh, I played the Pokemon TCG their events are quite well funded, and but I mean, Pokemon is getting all that funding from their video games, from their merchandise. I mean, the card game is not, you know, funding those events alone. So it, it is, and like you said, exact same thing with League. League can absorb those costs to keep a, to have that scene and like it doesn't even have to be profitable. Um, and I think you're definitely right. If we look at esports like this is amazing, you know, it must be making so much money, but under the hood, there is a lot of expenses to take into account for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely, it definitely suits, I guess, that kind of competitive nature. Like players are like, you just see the content creators, they're coming up with new decks, they're coming up with new strategies. So I definitely think it suits the competitive scene. It's just what that would look like and how it would get there for sure. Cool. Any, any last yeah. thoughts on a competitive scene? No, I mean, I'm curious to see what's happening. I mean, it, it's easy to forget how early on we are in Marvel Snap. Like, I've been playing yeah. for six months. I've already seen a lot of changes. I already have some back-in-my-day stories. Yeah. Because it's when I started back in my day, <laughs> Pool 3 did not have collector's reserves. It was just one card every 96 levels. That was just it. So bad. <laughs> it, it was it was unbearable, dude. Yeah. It was so, so unbearable. So they fixed it, and now it's like, I have the story about back when this used to be worse. Mm. Oh, you'll be fine. And so just <laughs> think about how much further the game is going to go in the next six months. They already have so many things planned that we know we're going to see. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, you're right. Like we've, we've only had it for, I guess, four to five months now. And just the, the, from where we were to where we are, I, I remember saying on the show when that, you know, global launch was in a few weeks and I'm like, there is so many things that need to be polished. Like, how are they going to get this out? And then we got the last update and I mean, the interface looked a lot better. Things were running smoother. They fixed the uh, the white Colossus bug because that was just hilarious every time yes. I saw it. <laughs> like, it's such a minor thing, but just that polish was like, you know, that's what you want at Global Launch. And of course, we've still got hiccups here and there, but I think overall the game feels very polished now compared to what it was during beta. 
Um, and I, I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. So we've come, they've come so far in the six months from beta to where we are now. And it's just exciting to see what's going to happen in another six months, uh, let alone two, three years from now. Uh, really, really cool. Um, what's your thoughts on the, uh, like the, the, the desktop client right now? I'd assume you play Hearthstone on your computer. I know you probably play mobile as well. Um, what's your thoughts? Like, like obviously it's just a, I guess a port of the mobile system right now. I mean, it's not done, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's my thought for that. It is not done because it, they told us it wasn't. It yes. says early access. Yes, because right. it's not done. So, it it feels like something that they wanted to have available on global launch day one, so people could stream from it. Yeah. Um, I had BlueStack set up. I will still BlueStack from time to time, but when my phone dies, I will play on desktop. Uh, and otherwise, I don't see a great reason to play on desktop. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's there. If you want to stream from it and you don't have BlueStack set up, you can. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not done. Yeah, they say that. I, I, that's exactly right. I think it's uh, it's been interesting seeing all the different overlays that people have been able to make because it is you know like being trying to stretch the UI so it is made for you know uh, widescreen devices by you know moving people around parts. Get so wacky with it. Yeah. Like it's I like I was I'm a mod for KM and I talked to him about it because he had this ridiculous overlay with that had squished image. Like no no no, make the client full screen. Yeah. Put your camera in one corner. Yeah. The deck list in the other corner and your chat in the other side. Yeah. And then just live your life. Yeah yeah yeah. Mine's uh I I kind of went a bit crazy with it as well using like mask blends to like move around the UI to make it widescreen. Oh, that's so much work. Yeah, it, oh my God. It, it actually wasn't in the end, but yes, it takes a bit of setup and looking back, it's like, watch the client be the full client be out in like two months. And it was like all that effort for, that's how I was with blue stacks. Like when I was making like content with blue stacks, I was kind of like, this is fine for now because we're going to have something eventually. There's no point putting in a ton of effort to fix this now. Uh, but yeah, it's been interesting seeing, you know, it's a mobile first game. So seeing people try and, you know, make it available, you know, viewable on a widescreen has been interesting. All right, Hat. Thank it's hard to do. Some people yeah. have really nice overlays. Like it's, I like Binx's a lot. I think Binx's has yes, a really nice overlay. Very neat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's very, very creative as well. I, I definitely do like Binx's. Okay. So Hat, uh, I think it is time for us to play Snap Who. So, uh, look, we, we, we were playing with cards. We were using cards because a lot of people were still experiencing Pool 3. Now that most beta players have experienced Pool 3, they have all the cards, it was pretty easy for people to guess the card on the show. Um, so we've switched to locations now. I'm going to bring up a location on screen. I'm going to ask you to describe it a little bit for the listeners that are listening to the audio version of the podcast so they can kind of try and guess along. Um, and then you're going to have to guess the... Uh, the name. Sorry, yeah, you're gonna have to guess the name of the location and the ability on the location card. So uh, let's see how you go. Okay, Hat, this is the location. Do you want to describe it for the listeners? All right. So it's in a hexagon. Correct. Uh, the sides. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the left and right side are taller. Um, there is a a purplish, like a fuchsia or magenta sky. Yep. With some blue clouds. There's a tall tower in the middle a wall with a silhouetted city behind it, and then some brownish ground on the bottom there that was inside the hexagon. That was an amazing description. All right. What, Thank you. Do you know, so, so you get to, you get one point for each one you get correct, so you can get a maximum of two points. Do you know the name of this location? 
Sakar, S-A-K-A-A-R. <laughs> when it when it reveals, it drops a card from both players' hand into play. So put a card from your hand into play. I, I, I was very confident that you were going to be super confident about this. The, the interesting thing is uh, I've spoken to people that are really confident with the cards, but they are just super, like, really unconfident when it comes to locations. But uh, you have hit it right on the head. Put a card from each player's hand here. It is Sakaar. Um, it is the location from, I think it was in Thor Ragnarok, I believe. Uh, is it like the... Sounds the, possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where Jeff Goldblum lives. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So, uh, uh, well done. That is two points on the board. You are considered the guest player. So, that's two points on the board. Helping out all the guests on the, on the Infinite Snap podcast. Um, guys, thanks so much for joining us for all our topics. Before we go, we're going to... A Ridiculous Hat, do you want to plug all your socials and your other podcasts? I'm saying it now. I'm not going to give you a co-host plug. I'm not going to give you a Mastodon plug. I am Twitter, ride or die, twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. <laughs> as long as that website is there, I will be posting right through it. Otherwise, I'll be in Discord. I'm in the Infinite Snap Discord, so feel free to at me, say hi. Um, just at ridiculous hat, that's where I am. I have three Hearthstone podcasts. If you like Hearthstone, well... You should listen to at least one of my podcasts. Pick one. There's The Angry Chicken over at amove.tv. There is Coin Conceit over at coinconceit.com. There's Vicious Syndicate over at viciousyndicate.com. Pick one. Don't care which. But if you are newer to Hearthstone, probably uh, Angry Chicken. If you're if you're casual competitive, probably Coin Conceit. If you're a highly uh, tuned in legend grinder, you probably know about Vicious Syndicate already, but it's over there. I yeah I I can uh, I can definitely attest to the angry chicken I listen to that like it's it's super casual friendly but I feel like I listen to a lot of competitive based podcasts and it's really refreshing to listen to the angry chicken you guys still talk about you know competitive decks and things like that but it's a very relaxed conversation and it just feels like I'm like sitting sitting there with you guys listening to the conversation it's really really it's probably one of my like favorite, I guess, video game podcast. Uh, it's just super relaxed and super enjoyable. So you and Joyce do a really good Thank job you. there. And uh, guys, definitely, if you're into Hearthstone, and I'm sure a lot of Marvel Snap players are, go and check that out if you if you somehow haven't already. Um, yeah, had any other socials, or that's about it for you. That is the hub of my content, and uh, yeah, Twitter and Discord. I have no idea what I'm going to do if that website goes down. So uh, I guess just Discord. Yeah, it's interesting. Twitter. I I was never a big Twitter user. I used to read a lot, but was never a really, I guess, engaging a lot with it. Now that we're running the podcast, and you know, the, like there's so much engagement on it, 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 it. I can imagine, like for us, it's already feeling like uh, like a bit shaky ground for the people who have like been on this platform for a long time they've built their you know this is where they've made friends this is where they've made connections and for something like that to be i guess in doubt is actually really really heartbreaking to see i'm 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 on board with you let's like twitter let's i'm on the i'm on board with twitter's gonna survive right now uh it's it's on shaky ground but uh let's hopefully it pulls through um Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, this was recorded on Saturday, but you'll be able to watch it live on Tuesday. We'll be in the chat. Uh, I'll be in the chat with Justin and Tom chatting with you guys. Um, and uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. You can head to at Infinite Snap Pod on Twitter uh, to see. Uh, there'll be a few links and stuff that, uh, to things that we've discussed on the podcast. So if you're listening, you can go and check those out as well. And make sure you follow us on Twitter while it's still here. Um, we're going to be posting, uh, you know, Hearthstone. Uh, sorry, Hearthstone. We talk about it's so easy to talk about Hearthstone with Marvel Snap. Uh, there's just so many comparisons. Um, uh, we'll be posting Marvel Snap news and, uh, you know, different articles and deck lists. So definitely go and check that out. Hat, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll definitely uh, try and get you on 
uh, in the near future because you've got a wealth of knowledge about card games. You're a very passionate card game player. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope to be on with uh, with the other boys uh, so we can find a time where everyone's around. Difficult to do. I, it's, I, I can't commit to waking up at 5.30 a.m. for you all. <laughs> I would like to, but it's just not realistic. Yes, it's not realistic for anyone. Definitely, definitely. But yes, I'll definitely, we'll definitely try and organize when the boys are all here, when Tom and Justin are back. Uh, it's really good when you've got a few people's opinions. I really enjoy that dynamic on a podcast. Hat, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your evening. Go and get some rest. And uh, I'll catch. We'll catch everyone next time. Thank you.